change your passwords. Okay. Welcome to our weekly, and we mean weekly Wednesday night Shi'ur. We're back on track on Wednesday night, actually, which is also very impressive. Um, welcome, Scranton. We're starting again. First, of course, the Nishmas Ephraim, Benuchanan, Yat Flipper, and Shmuel Yaakov Ben Mesha, Dorit Bas Moshe Bas Moshe Halevi, Jeanette Bas Ibrahim Akoyin. Starting again the cycle. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Shechiyonu Vikimonu, wherever you want to put it. It's Baruch Hashem, we requested and will receive Him at Hashem a good year, a new year, a happy year, a healthy year, and everything that we ask from the God Almighty will definitely be answered to the positive <coughs> as we begin now we embark once again on Chumash Bereshis what does that mean? we're starting again the cycle of Chumash Bereshis we only finished on Tuesday morning, yesterday morning, and immediately we roll the Sefer to the beginning again, and we start again Bereshit's Baralikim. What does this mean for us? How does this translate into our Seder Aveda, our way of service to God? Honestly, looking at the picture, the scheme of things, they would say, I've heard the story. I've read about this creation. I've read about all that went on in Pasha's Bereshis, and Bereshit, and Lech Lecha, Vayeda, Chayesara, Tehildis, etc., etc. I've read, we've done this. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. As a matter of fact, I even listened to a sheer on it before. So, what does it mean to me? (coughs) You know what? You can always come up with something new. Not come up with something new, but you can spend and listen to another hour sheer and a full hour from somebody else and a full hour from somebody else, and none of them will say the same thing. Everyone will touch on a different topic, a different subject of the parsha. Bottom line, what does it mean I'm restarting? How does that translate into the way I serve God? Truth to be told, the Teda is a book of lessons. The Teda is not a book of a storybook. It does not tell us stories. It teaches us life lessons. I've told the joke a million times, the story of the lady in the ladies section where they're selling reading about the selling of Yosef Hatzadik. And she's crying and crying and crying that poor child, he's a little child, a little boy, and they took him, they threw him in a ditch, and they sold him, and they sold him down to Egypt. How horrible, that poor little boy, so defenseless, and no mother, and and, and what else could you want from this boy? (coughs) The next year, the ladies' section was packed. Packed! Everybody wanted to see again the performance. They start to read, and she's sitting and reading the translation on the bottom. 
and not a reaction, not a blink of an eye. After the Torah reading was finished, a woman walks over to her and says, Pray tell. Last year you cried and bawled about how terrible this selling of Yosef was, and this year not even a, a blink. Are you serious, she says. Last year I felt sorry for him. But this year he came back again? <laughs> he deserves it. God forbid. We don't read Torah that way. We relive the stories of the Torah as we read them each and every time we read it. So when we open again and we say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we read about the six days of creation on the seventh day He rested. It is an entirely new entity to us. We don't look at it and say, I know this already. I heard this already. But we take it in our hands. We take it in our mind. And we take it to our heart as a new beginning, a rejuvenation. Because let's call a spade a spade. Let's be factual. Let's be real. I learned this Chumash last year. I went through Breshis, Shmeiz, Vayikra, Bamidbar, and Dvarim. And I read about a lot of interesting laws. I wasn't so good with them. I wasn't so upholding. I wasn't so perfect. So what did it teach you? What did it give you? If you didn't give back. If you faltered somewhere along the way. How? Didn't you read from the Torah itself? Not that God forbid it didn't affect you. Not that God forbid you didn't take it seriously. (coughs) It happens. What more can you ask for than a clean slate and a new beginning? Ideal. Ideal. That's exactly what we are getting here. The clean slate and the new beginning. We are starting once again. So not enough that we're learning about the Teda again and all the mitzvahs. But more so. We are learning it like the child starting from the beginning. Like the child opening his eyes and hearing for the first time. And so much so, that the way we treat it, the way we act, the way we behave, and the way we study now, it's all a new thing. It's a totally new entity. So let us touch on a few subjects of Pasha's Bereshis. It's also incidentally Shabbos Mevarachim the Shabbos, Shabbos Mevarachim Chedesh Cheshvan, But mainly, and most importantly, the Rebbe, the Rebbeim always said, in Yiddish, Azevi Mishteltzach of Shabbos Bereshis, Azei Shteltzach of The way we fortify, the way we put ourselves, the way we stand up on Shabbos Bereshis, we are paving the road for the entire year. Bereshis, Starts with the Beis, not with the Aleph. And Beis, Reishis, the two concepts that are known as Reishis, the Teira and the Yidin. The two entities that are called the firsts are the Teira and the Yidin. Therefore the Beis, Reishis, the two. God creates the world as we said in six days. And each day, it says how it became day, and it became night. Excuse me, the other way around. Terah says, 
It was evening, it was day, one day, or the first day, but instead of saying the first is one day. On the second day again, it was evening, it was morning, on the second day. Now it's used as the term second, not day two. And again on the third day, it was evening, it was day on the third day. However, on the sixth day of creation, it was evening, it was morning, not on the the sixth day implying that there is a very very important message on this very day on the sixth day if we keep in score at home the Gemara and Shabbos Peches Amar Aleph, 88 side 1. And based on that Gemara that Rashi explains, the Teda is now hinting or implying, making reference to, another sixth day. No, 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 no. <coughs> Sorry, not 1967, you're wrong. Another sixth day, the sixth day of the month of Sivan. The sixth day of the month of Sivan is the day that the Jews received the Teda 2,448 years from that first sixth day. The sixth day of creation in the year 1, 2,448 years later, on the sixth day, another very special sixth day, the sixth day of the month of Sivan, the Yidden received the Teda. teaches us the Gemara. The Talmud teaches us. This was a stipulation that God made with all of creation. That the existence of the the world is pending on the acceptance of the Torah. If the Yidin if the Jews will accept the Torah, then the world will exist. And if not, it will turn to naught. Eventually, as God creates the world, the stipulation of 2,448 years later, we see another such stipulation in the Torah. The splitting of the Reed Sea. There too, God got a stipulation and said, if you will split for the Jews when they leave Egypt, then you will remain create, you will remain an entity. If you will not, I'm sure Hashem must have said, God forbid, if you will not split, then you will be as if you never existed. This obviously becomes a little bit of a tricky thing in the mind what would have happened with the 2,448 years prior it did exist for 2,448 years as is the same stipulation that a God takes out with the world by the highlighting of the Teda on the 6th day of Sivan that case if this is a stipulation to the world's existence and creation why is it not presented in a bigger light. Say, sixth day, which is sixth, representing the day of receiving of the Torah. But rather, by God just hinting this, instead of actually openly announcing it, the Torah is looking to demonstrate the unparalleled greatness and significance to God, 
the actual mitzvahs, maesias that Jews do. When a Jew, because the Jew does a mitzvah in this world, it's not just eh, thanks. It's not just God looks at it and says, oh well, put another one on the board. Each and every mitzvah holds tremendous significance by God. So much so that the entire stipulation of creation was based on the Jews doing their mitzvahs. However, when God made this stipulation, obviously all of creation was a little bit in trepidation. What if they won't accept it? What if they say no? What will become of us then? God had no doubts. God knows the future as well as he knows the present and the past. And the Jewish people's future acceptance of the Torah was an established fact by him. By God. But still in all, although God knew that this day they would say yes to the Torah, he marked it as a very special day. He made it a special entity of its own, the sixth day, hinted as the sixth day of creation. To demonstrate the importance of this future date, which he was well aware of how great this date will ultimately become. And nothing in the earthly world can compare to that moment when the Jews accepted the Torah. And although the future to God is just like past and present, it's all one, there's no tense by God. <laughs> yeah. God still looks forward to the moment that the Jews in this world will act and realize their potential. So each and every Jew, although God knows exactly what mitzvahs you're going to do, and the question becomes in that case, where's my freedom of choice? If God, anyone knows the outcome. But although God knows the ultimate outcome, God is in anticipation of when that outcome should come about. God awaits for that mitzvah to be completed. Moving on, past creation one of the most famous stories that go untold the story of Cain and Hevel what were you thinking the Torah tells us that both Cain and Hevel brought sacrifices to God And the Torah describes Hevel's employment. <coughs> he took care of sheep. And Cain was a farmer. Okay. We're good to go. Torah tells us days came past. And Cain brought from the fruits of the land a mincha, a sacrifice for God. The Hevel, his brother Hevel, he also brought from where? From the Becheres of his sheep and their fats. Terry then goes on to tell us, it's all in chapter 4, verses 2 through 5. Perik Dalet Bizhei. Vayesh Hashem is El Hevel Melchosei. God was very happy and accepted Hevel's Mincha. Vel Kain Melchosei Lesha. But to Kain's he did not take. And how we know that is because a fire came down and consumed Hevel's and didn't take Kain's. 
Vayichar lekayin me'ed vayifu fanov. Kayin got very angry. And as the story dictates, Kayin kills Hevel out of jealousy. Let's not go the ultimate end reaction. Let's ask the question on what happened here. The Torah tells us that Hevel brought from his sheep and from their fats. But Kayin, it just says, he brought me Priha Adama. From the fruits of the of the ground. So Rashi doesn't obviously find it necessary to tell us, tell the Mechamish the Mikra, what Hevel brought. We heard. But Kain, it's a little vague to say Priya Adama. What did Kain bring, says Rashi? Mi Priya Adama, Min from the worst fruits. V'yesh agoda sheimeres, and then Rashi does something totally out of character, and he brings a medish agoda and says that the medish agoda says zera pishten hoya. It was flax. Rashi's words are coming to explain two separate things. First of all. He's telling us that Cain brought from the worst possible stock, from the Priyadama. And this is from the simple explanation. The fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not turn and accept Cain's Mincha, we understand that Cain's Mincha was inferior. It was an inferior quality that he, pre- he presented. Secondly, Rashi turns and goes and brings the Medish Agoda. <coughs> Even though that the Pasuk doesn't tell us what it was, what ultimate fruit that was, the Medish Agoda does. Chazal revealed to us that this was Zera Pishton. Everybody tells us it was Zera Pishton. It was flax. In other Mepharshim, they bring hints to this as well. Like the Ram says, Shemaiti, Shemesefe Tevishel Karban. They brought a Karban, right? A sacrifice. Now, we take the word Karban and we make it into what's called Miluam, full letters. You want to write this one down. Karban is spelled Kuf, Resh, Vez, Nun. How do you write the word letter Kuf? It's spelled Kuf, Fov, Fe. The word, the letter Resh is Resh, Yud, Shin. The letter Bez is Bez, Yud, Sof. And the letter Nun is Nun Vav Nun. Putting together the last letters of Karban, Pei, Shin, Tov, Nun, Pishton. And therefore, based on that, that he brought a Karban, this Karban was of Pishton. So brings down other Mephashim, Klayakar, etc., Now the fact that Rashi stresses that there is a Medvish that says this, he's telling us, like we said before, because this is not his character, his character is only Pshut Mikra, and this is not the Pshut Mikra. It's not a simple explanation. So why is Rashi doing it? Rashi only does something like this if you don't really understand what it means. Rashi writes in our, in our parsha, in chapter three, verse eight, Pedigimul Pasiches. Yesh Medrash Agoda Rabim. There are many different Medrash Agoda. Vani says Rashi, and I lebosi el lepshutish mikra. 
I come to only explain the simple explanation of the Pesach. Each Medrash tells you about their way of understanding. But I myself, said Rashi, only explain the simple explanation of what the Pasuk says. In that case, if I bring down a Medrash there's got to be something that's going to add to the Pshat of the Pasuk. What is it that in our Rashi he's answering with the Agoda that the carbon of Kayin was Mzera Pishtan Dafka. The Sifsech Achomim writes, and he explains Rashi, the question Rashi's question is, why is it it writes Mipri Hadoma, the fruits of the ground? <coughs> it should have just said Min Hadoma, from the ground. Or mipriya eats from the ground of the tree. Fruits do not grow in the ground. <coughs> Therefore, Sifsechacham says that we must turn to say priyadama is befitting dafka zerapishtan. Well, the truth of the matter is that this wording priyadama is a normal way of saying it in the Pasuk. We see by Bikurim it says, So Priyadama is a normal thing to say. So why are you basing your question on the fact that it says Priyadama instead of Minadama or Priyadama? Priyadama is a natural, is a normal thing to say. It's a normal expression. They're taking off. Rashi is coming to explain a very simple question here. Kain brought mincha Lashem. Why does one bring a mincha? To cause pleasure to God. I mean, how much pleasures does God derive from the actual sacrifice? But as we said before, God anticipates every mitzvah, every good deed, everything that a person could possibly do good. And so to this. If that's the case, why would he take from Minagarua? From the worst possible stock. You're looking to appease God. You're looking to make God a pleasure. You bring the, to, to derive pleasure for God. And how are you doing so by bringing Minagarua? Seriously, Kain, what were you thinking? So much so that the Kain thought, why should God not accept my mincha? God is surely going to accept my mincha. And he'll, he'll willing and he'll want to really accept this. So, when the result was that Kayin saw his mincha was not accepted, he was in pain. And he angered. And he fell on his face. But what are you thinking? You bring Minagarua from the worst and you expect God to accept it, to come running and grab it for you? When you have so many better things to bring? Kayan had a thought pattern. He was not a total idiot. There was something, Yesh Raglayim the Dover, there was something here that Kayan thought that God would actually want to accept this. As we see from the order of the Psukim. Teresh just said that Kayan's Karbim was not accepted pleasantly. 
which means to say that immediately after saying Vayav Kaim Minchal Hashem, it should have said El Kaim V'Machas Eleisho. God didn't accept. But what happens? The pasuk those different deviates, and it tells differently the story. And it says that Hevel brought his from the Bechayin Seinim Mitzvachavayin, and continues to say that the carbon of Hevel was accepted. Only after that, it goes back to say about Kain, God did not accept it. In that case, why does it tell us the outcome of Kain's on a later time, not right away when it says about him bringing it? At the time when Kain brought his carbon, it wasn't clear that there's a, a sin or a fault. He actually thought that he was bringing the right thing. Only after noticing how Hevel brought from the beautiful, from the sheep, etc., then Kain saw how the flame comes down from heaven and consumes Hevel's carbon. Then he noticed how his was not accepted. So what should be the result? The result should be, Oi! Oi! What did I do? What did I do? Look, Hevel's was accepted. God is ready to accept the carbon. He accepted Hevel's. Oh, I've got to do something here to fix mine. So that Hashem would accept mine as well. To bring something from better stock, etc. However, since that was not his reaction, unfortunately, since he didn't do that, Hoover of Nikva, therefore it comes back to what it says, El Kayin Vel in the beginning, it was not clear that his, what he did was wrong. It was, according to Cain at least, acceptable. But when Cain saw it wasn't acceptable, and it wasn't accepted, and God accepted Hevel's and not his, he should have said, uh-oh, how do I fix this, and i better do that fast. How do we get... Kayan's mind frame. In English, what was he thinking? So Rashi says, Zera Pishton Hoya. It was Pishton. The truth to be told, Pishton flax was not a shabby material. It was actually very valuable. We find in Chapter two, verse ten on the river that went out from Gan Eden, Roshim had four heads. And Reshain from the four, the name of it was Pishoin. And Rashi explains what's Pishain. This is talking about the Nilus of the Nahar Mitzrayim. It was called Pishain because it you harvest at, on that riverbank they harvested flax. So the Nahar was called Pishtan. So Pishtan is not a shabby thing. Pishtan is actually a very valuable item. We see even more. In Pashmi Kates, when it comes to Yosef Atzadik, he put on a big day sheish, and Rashi explains, it was very valuable in Egypt, and we find for generations thereafter, the Koyen Godel, Anim Kippur, wore Pishton. 
If you keep your score at home, the Gemara in Yuma Lamedalaram and Beis tells us. From here we see that they were very valuable. Pishtun was very valuable material. <coughs> so we see that Cain was not off track. Cain did not come with wicked intention. He actually thought that this was a mincha that was worth, worthy. From the best of materials. Pishtun. And it's worthy being a, being a carbon. However, amongst Pishtan itself, he took the worst. Because the fact is that, yes, this is more valuable. Pishtan is less valuable. He took from the least. According to some prints, Rashi also adds here. When he writes Davarachem Ipri, Meeze Shebol Yode, what came to hand? Leitay Vlevovchar, not good and not choicey. To explain this, we still have a little bit of a question to the Man of Shach. Kain went and troubled himself to bring from the Muvchar from the Baz Pishton. Why did he choose from the Pishton the worst Pishton? So from that question, or based on that question, we have a little different addition to this. Cain did not mean, he did not intend to bring from the worst. Because it makes no sense. Makes no sense. He wanted to bring good. But that's a little hard to understand. Because then, in that case... Kain didn't just bring regular, he brought Leitei Velei And therefore, Kaddish Baruch Hu pushes away the sacrifice entirely. So this thing is not clear, and therefore, in many different prints, this is not brought down in Rashi. But the Mefarshim explained the Sahara does not try to deceive a person from within. The Sahara stands on the outside. But Pesach Aknisa, by the door. And that's where he tries to make the person, to trip the person up. And as long as he's standing by the door, The Yitzhara could not cause Cain to trip up and to bring from the worst. But he <coughs> caused a little bit of a trouble here. In the best, he took the least best. Alright, let's leave Cain and have a little... Um, Let's go back to the actual parsha. Let's take the first Rashi, which we have neglected. <coughs> Rashi says, "Bereishes baralekim," famous Rashi. Oh, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yitzchak says, "La Yitzchak la haskilas atera el lemichedish zelachem." Tera is loshnei rots. Talking about mitzvahs. Talking about mitzvah, start with a mitzvah. What was the first mitzvah? The mitzvah is chedish. Only mentioned later down the line by Pashas Boy. Why did it stop at Ishas? To tell us, to teach us. That when it comes later to the Goyish nations, all the other nations around us are going to come saying that the Jews list him at them, you're thieves. Shekivashtim Shiva Goyim, you conquered the lands of the seven nations. What will the Jews answer? 
And therefore he created and he gave this for us. What are the nations asking really? I mean, so much so that we're giving it credence here. And not enough, not only giving it credence, we're giving it solidifying it. And we're giving it real, true credence by saying that we're starting the Tater Bereshit's Baralikim and showing about Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and everything that went on over there because they have to make sure that the Goyesh Taina, that their claim does not have validity. What validity? The Jews went to war, and they won. We know a fact. When a country comes to conquer another country, whatever you conquer is yours. It's not considered stealing it. And Gezel, stealing, is one of the seven Noahide laws. On the Shev Mitzvah Benenech. So there's nobody stealing here. So where are they calling them Listim? Why are they calling them thieves? When we need to transfer anything from one person's ownership to another, there are different ways that it happens. You can sell it to somebody you sell a car to another person it becomes his car you can give it with a gift you can gift it matana you can conquer it obviously it doesn't mean you walk over to somebody and say I like your car and you beat him up and you take his car no, it's not the way it's not called conquering however if you sell a car, you buy a car. You buy a car, let's say, a very beautiful, fancy car. Fully loaded, as they would call it. And you buy it from the dealer. The same car that's on the dealer's lot now becomes yours. Nothing changes in that car unless you put a change into it. You put something in it, you add it to something, you subtract, whatever you do to it. But the essence, that car, is the same car that you purchased, is now yours. The only thing is, the title, the ownership, is now yours instead of his. The same is with the land. When one nation conquers another nation, the land is still land. It's still a desert, it's still a, a, an oasis, it's still whatever it might be. It's still the same land that you conquered. And the nation that was driven out of the land could always come back and fight back again and get it back. And they'd win back the land and it becomes theirs again. But the land itself is the same entity. Not with Eretz Yisrael. With Eretz Yisrael is a different situation here. When the Jews conquer the land, the essence of the land, the mahus of the land, now becomes holy. Till now it belonged to a different nation, now that the Jewish nation has conquered it, it becomes a holy land. And therefore it will always be that way forever and ever. And it can never belong to another nation. They might dwell there, they might try to, to find themselves there, to, to push, bully the way in there, but bottom line, it's not theirs. Even today's days in Golas, where we are galinu me'artzenu, v'nisrachaknu me'alad basenu, we're exiled from our land. 
and we're distant from our grounds. It's still Artseinu and Admaseinu, our land. More so, a Jew, a non-Jew, may not settle in the Holy Land. This is what the nations are crying about. When they say, Listem Atem Shikivashtem Shivas Goyim. You are thieves in the fact that you've conquered these lands. Because they know that once the Jews conquer the land, they can no longer get it back. The land itself now becomes sacred and holy, and only a Jew can dwell there. So that's the case. The fact that the land belongs is forever, it's perpetual. And once the Jews conquered it, it becomes theirs. So therefore they consider them, list them, you stole this from us. It no longer, we can no longer get it back. That, the answer to that accusation, the entire land is belongs to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He created this land, and his intention was to give it to the Jewish nation. And since HaKadosh Baruch Hu created this land, therefore, because he created it, it's all his. So it's not just happens, circumstance, the essence can is now changed and the land has now become Eretz Yisrael. All the creations were then brought before Adam Harishin, the last of the creations, and now all the creations were marched past him and the Pasuk tells us Vayikra Adam Shemais the Kol Habehema Ulaifa Shamayim Lucholchayas Asada. Adam gave a name to every behema and bird and heaven and chaya in the world in the fields. Um where's the fish? Doesn't mention anything about fish. So there's two opinions. One opinion that a doctor, Chizkuni, say that he didn't give them a name. Another opinion is that he gave them names as well. But it doesn't mention, it doesn't enumerate it in the Pasuk. Not here. We could perhaps understand this according to what the Ramban says when it comes to calling the names. On what basis did other Marishan call an animal a name, he recognized their nature. And he called them according to that. Sauce, because it's happy. It is sauce. And therefore, their names that he gave them actually show themselves in their natures. So now we got to understand really Let's open our minds to what really happens here when he calls these names. There's actually two ways. First of all, the calling the names is for the person. The person should know what to call the animal. Also, when the animal is called that by the person, of course, then the animal finds within itself its essence. And therefore it could use its own name. Secondly, the calling of the names is for the creature itself. Since this creature has its own name, it has a coexistence it reveals within itself its name 
And this we can say of the different opinions, whether or not he called the fish by their names. According to the one that says he did not call them names, because a person doesn't need to use these names. It's You see a cow, you see a horse, you see it. You don't go diving, deep sea diving to discover the fish always. I know many people that never went deep sea diving. I'm sure there are many that did go, but many didn't. Therefore, it's not something they have to go high fishy and know what the fish is called. And therefore, the Chaskuni says, Dogum lehevi b'kivetecha mayim, heim v'einu yetzim, v'im yetzim, meisim, v'einu yetzim, he didn't have to give it to fish names because the fish have to stay in the water. If they come out of the water, they die. So the only way you'd be able to see them is they're out of the water. Walking, if you see a fish walking around on the bank, he's probably dead. And therefore, it doesn't need a name. Since there was no use really for their names, other magicians didn't give it. According to the other opinion, they did have names. This is for the other Balakayim themselves to know their own essence of what they are, what they, what type of fish they are. The beginning of Sefer Bereshis is called the Chumash Bereshis is called Sefer Hayoshar. Sefer Hayoshar is the righteous. It's the Sefer of Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov that are called the Yeshorim, the righteous. And as we know, Maisa of Simulabonim, that the work of our forefathers is a message to the children. So therefore, Sefer Bereshis, which is called Sefer Yashar, has in general a way, the way it's serving God, of the, the way the Jews need to serve God. Let's go through the parshas of Chumash Bereshis to see what message and what lesson they have each one for us. Bereshis, the foundation, the beginning of the service of God, which is Bereshis Baralekim as the Shemaim Which means all the ideas of the world are created through God. Why? Because of Bereshis. What is Bereshis? Bereshis, as we said before, is the word Bez Reshis. Two firsts. Of course, the two firsts are the Tater, which is called Reshis. And Yisrael, which is called Reishis. And we move on from Pashas Bereishis to Pashas Noyach. Noyach, the intention and the purpose for every creation is to bring Noyach calm collectiveness Naikhidrucha is also a Nachas Ruach a pleasure to God what did God want what did pleasures he looking for as we know he had this yearning to have a dwelling in this world so therefore the entire creation is only to fulfill God's wants by causing him and we move on to in order to fulfill the kavana of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it needs to be the journey of the journey of the neshama from the highest of high to the lowest of low so much so that it comes into a physical, mundane body in the world. 
and thereby the body, that low mundane body, elevates the neshama itself to a level that it could never achieve in this world. And thereby becomes a mahalach, a traveler, a lechlecha. Vayedo. In order that the neshama coming down into the world should fulfill this mission, it needs revelation of God. Vayedo elav Hashem. It needs to have to have the Kayach of the Aveda here below. To Chayes Sora. The revelation of godliness given to the Neshama. And that needs to be like we say the Chayes Sora. What was Chayes Sora? That all her years were equal. They were all totally devoted to God. 100 to 20 to 7 were all completely devoted to God. And therefore one needs to give over their tainug, their mechim, their midas. And this is hinted in the words Chayesara, as we just said, the numbers were all equal, that she was totally throughout devoted to God. Tell this, after the commandment of going down the Neshama Lechlecha, and the Kayach of of Hashem, God's revealing, and the Chayesara that a person applies every moment to God's service, We need to now achieve the outcome. Tildes. What are the tildes? What are the, the offspring of a tzaddik? Maisim tevim. They're good deeds. For the tildes, are Yaakov and Esav. The Aveda of Asetev and Surmira. Yaakov Asetayv and Esav Surmerah do good and turn away from bad. And then it ultimately comes to Vayetze. The beginning of actual Aveda, the Neshama goes out from Be'er Shava, which is a place where the Neshama is in the highest of high, and goes to Kharona, Kharain Afshal Mokim, the lowest of low, and comes into the physical world. For what? Vayishlach. Another journey. Another being sent, where the Neshama is being sent to descend to Choron and to elevate and to purify the world. But now comes in another Shlav, another stage, and that's the Shlichas. Where is he being sent to? Not only Choron, but to Esav. This is to elevate the lowest of low. The Elevation needed for Esav. And then comes Vayeshev. Through all this service, through all this elevation, through all this purification, what do we say? Vayeshev Yaakov. What's the Yeshev? Leishev Bishalva. To sit relaxed and calm. He's Zechev to the Matzev of his Yashvus and on what basis? Mikates. After all the Aveda is done, then makes he causes the Kates. The Kates is the end of all the service. And we're Zechit to Kates Hayomim and Kates Hayamin. With that, we're able to Vayigash. We can bring, we can step forth, attach ourselves to Kaddish Baruch Hu, in a way of Echad bi Echad Yigshu, Veruach Leyav Benehem. One to another has come attached, and there's no wind that separates them. And then we live by Yechi, Wazechet Chiyas Hamesim, and then Echiyah of Chaim Nitzchim, the Shamas Begufim, by Yechi Yaakov, and the union of Yaakov is Klal Yisrael, and therefore we should be Zecha to the Vayechi Yaakov. This Shabbos Bereshis, Mavarchim Achedish, Chedish Cheshvain. We should be zeichet to be in Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, Shabbat Shalom to all.